Holly, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good. How are you yeah. doing? You know, we have finally thawed out here in Texas. You know, uh, this time last week it was around eight degrees, and uh, now it's uh, you know going to be seventy today. So, so what, uh, <laughs> I really have a. I didn't want to ask you this online in front of other people. I thought it'd be inappropriate. But in the uh, past, you have talked uh, about um, what you would do. You and your wife have talked in the past about what you would do if it came to uh, starvation. Uh-huh. So my question for you is, do you still have all your dogs? We do still have all the dogs. Uh, you know, I will say uh, we there was never a food issue at our house during the the freeze. I, for those of y'all who who aren't familiar, live in Texas. Uh, we had some weather uh, last week. Uh, we were without power at my house for almost fifty hours. Um, and then sh- two hours after the power came back on, we had a burst, uh, water pipe. So we were without, uh, hot running water, uh, for a week, almost a week and a half. Um, yeah. And, so- and in fairness, knowing Aaron, like I do, I don't think he would follow through on the eating the dogs. So I'm going to ask the real question. Do you still have all your neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me get to that. Um, <laughs> we, I, we had a stocked freezer. We had a stocked pantry. So we were we were out of uh, fresh produce, like almost immediately. Um, you know, so so there, there were no fruit or there was no fruit or fresh vegetables in the house. But, you know, at no point did we go hungry. Um, you know, and fortunately, I ha- not only had, you know, my gas grill, but I also had a spare propane cylinder because I always keep a backup because you never know when you're going to have a steak emergency. Um, and so, you know, I heated up water on the grill. I, you know, uh, you know, cooked all kinds of stuff out on the grill. Um, that was never the issue. So, you know, all the dogs were safe and intact. I got to say, um, the dogs were champs, you know, dogs are, are such creatures of habit and everything about this was out of the norm. And I, I, the dogs seem to understand, okay, you know, stuff's a little weird right now. We're just gonna, you know, do what we're told to do and, and, and act accordingly. And I gotta tell you, I, I was just so surprised that, you know, we didn't have like a meltdown or somebody, uh, you know, Freaking out because we weren't on this on their regular schedule. It, the, the dogs were super chill about it. Um, and it was like, <laughs> you know how in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you know, all the olds <laughs> together in one bed. That was us. You know, it was it was me, Suzanne and four dogs in the bed under the covers, you know, sharing body heat when, when sleep happened. Um, it was it was so frighteningly cold that I didn't let any of the dogs out of the room. Like dogs couldn't roam the house because I was afraid somebody would get, get cold and freeze to death in another room. And, you know, we had 80 people die in Texas who froze to death in their homes. Oh, wow. Um, and so, I mean, it was a very real fear. There was a, a, an 11 year old kid who froze to death in his bedroom. Um, and I mean, I, I was, I was unaware that that was happening when it was happening here. I only found out about that after the fact, but, you know, I never let anybody really kind of out of out of my sight except to go to the bathroom. Uh, in fact, when the dogs went out in the backyard, I, I walked out with them because our pool had frozen over and they were all very fr- fascinated with what the hell's going on with the pool. <laughs> you know? And I didn't want somebody going out there thinking that they were going to ice skate because, you know, I've got I've got a couple 
of dogs with questionable intelligence. And they, <laughs> they were like putting their foot out there going, what, what is that? <laughs> you know, like get away from there. Um, yeah. Cause I would bet that you probably don't have the amount of blankets and things that we have up here just sitting I, around the house. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I am certain that you've got much more, much better cold weather gear than we've got. But I got to tell you, you know, we were under, uh, you know, Andrew asked me, how many layers of clothes are you wearing? And <laughs> I, I can tell you, it was three layers most times. Uh, and then we were under, you know, at least three blankets, you know, plus four dogs in the bed. Um, we huddled, I, you know, I, I was looking at, and I know this isn't funny. Uh, I was looking at uh, our firewood supply because that was the only source of heat in the house for that 50 hours. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so yeah, we were we were Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and when Wednesday hit, I'm like, I've got one more day of firewood, and that that was what was really had me concerned because you know you've got to be able to heat your core. You know, you can't just stay. And I think we were about 35 degrees in the house mm -hmm. um, and you just can't stay that cold that long. Um, and I was very concerned about what happened after that. I was thinking, well, OK, I've got a full tank of gas because I'd ventured out of the house earlier in the week when I realized that we might have to make a getaway at some point uh, and fueled up the car. But damn, it was cold. It you was could cold. always hunt down that issue of Spaceman and Burnett. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, you know, you're asking about the neighbors. There is the entire our entire subdivision was without power except for one house. Oh, wow. There's one and, house that still had it. Uh huh. And she is on the same. We're real close to the lake, which is the city's water supply. And so right behind my neighbor's house is the pumping station. And she is on the grid to the pumping oh, station. Yeah. And so she, anytime anybody else loses power, she's always got power. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, think worse gets to worse. We can just take that house. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, has this inspired you to either, you know, a buy a propane space heater or B go the, the full distance and get a generator. I've got a propane patio heater. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, propane space heaters are appropriate for inside the house, but there I are some, the, the, there are some that don't have open flames attached to them gotcha. that, that are considered safe. But, uh, the one you have in the patio is probably one that has open flame, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I grew up, we had a uh, big kerosene heater in the kitchen. Yeah. I don't even know if they still make those. You know, when I was growing up, we had those natural gas uh, room heaters. You mm -hmm. know, they're like, you know, uh, I forget how to describe They're ceramic, right? Um, and, you know, in the wall. And they don't, they're not legal anymore in Texas because they generate so much carbon monoxide. Right. But uh, we had, the, those were great. We had them, yeah, had them like in the bathroom and whatnot when I was growing up. Anyhow, uh I, I will tell you there were things, number one, I think what, what kept us going uh, largely was sense of humor. You know, the wife <laughs> just, you know, we're like, you know, cracking each other up the whole time. You know, not, no, we were, at no point where we like gloom, despair, agony on me, we're both going to die. <laughs> um, I think that uh, also what kept us going on is I had the wherewithal to charge up all my devices in advance of uh, – of the cold. And that includes all my power banks. And as, as a guy who, who up until last year traveled for a living, I had all kinds of external power sources. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to keep our, 
you know, devices charged so that we could, you know, get some sort of media in the house and, and, uh, talk to people and whatnot. Um, and that includes, I, you know, my wife gave me one of those Zippo electric hand warmers for Christmas. Oh yeah. And that thing is awesome. And so, you know, that, that was powered up. And so I was able to give that to Suzanne to, to, to keep her hands and, and whatnot warm. Uh, it, you know, there is really something to be said, you know, when you're in a blackout, being able to have light. And I've got these LED lights that are battery powered um, that, you know, I have for various reasons. And, you know, we kept those around so that, you know, there was light in the house. So it's not entirely depressing. Uh, and I have, you know, two great big Bluetooth uh, speakers so that we were able to have music. So it wasn't just sitting in silence. Um I, you know, I think all of that really went together to just kind of keep our spirits up and, and get us through it. Cause you know, it was kind of dark. It was kind of scary, but as we were going through it, uh, you know, we kept our spirits up. Yeah. I have, uh, I have flashlights and led lanterns, every room in the house. Yeah. I've only lost Same. power once in the 10 years I've been in this house, but growing up, we grew up I said, two miles outside of the city limits up on a hill. When power went out, it could be out for a week. And so I just grew up having that mindset of you just have backups everywhere in the house because you never know. So well, you know, even I though got, I don't need it, I've got it if I ever do. I got caught in a blackout in a high rise one time. And that yeah. was scary. You know, uh, you know, going down uh, fire, uh, you know, the, the stairways, uh, you know, in, in complete darkness was, was was scary. So, you know, ever since then, I've kept a flashlight in my backpack. You know, I keep a, there is a little, like you said, Wayne, I've got a flashlight in every room, you know, and those, those batteries get updated at the same time. I, you know, change the, uh, batteries in the smoke detectors. Um, you know, it, it's, I, while I only served as a boy scout for two weeks before I was asked not to come back, um, <laughs> I did take being prepared rather to heart. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, who could have been better prepared. Who's that? Wanda Maximoff. That is true. That she is was true. not prepared to find out who lived next door. Well, it was it was Agatha all along. It was Agatha, and we talked about that back in like the first or second week. I think yeah. it was Wayne who put out the theory that you know maybe uh, Agnes is actually Agatha, and I said, well, if they did, they certainly sexified her up. And boy, yeah, did they, they. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the problem is Wanda doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, by the way, she's spoilers. been going through. She's been going through the time frames, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. She didn't get far enough to listen to us. <laughs> when I showed my wife a picture of, you know, Agatha Harkness from Marvel Comics, and she was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, big difference. It's big difference. So uh, what she got the Aunt May treatment. She did get the Aunt May treatment. So, so what did you guys think of this week's episode? I particularly enjoyed uh, the opener where we, we kind of get to see, you know, Agatha's backstory. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it was going to be like, you know, some sort of Salem witch trial thing. And it was nice to see it turned on its head where, yeah, it was a witch trial by witches against the <laughs> yeah. witch. And I was like, oh, I like this. This is kind of cool. <laughs> I like that twist a lot because it yeah. was I thought it was going to be so cliche for a moment right. and they didn't go that route. Yeah. And you find out that, you know, one of the witches that's trying her is her own mother. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's quite different from the Marvel backstory, um, you know, the comic book backstory for Agatha Harkness. But it, for for the show, I thought it worked really well. I, I liked kind of uh, finding out more about why we've been living through sitcoms uh, through the ages for the last, you know, seven episodes or so. It was a heartbreaking episode. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly that they were going for the emotional strings in this episode, but I don't feel like they cut any corners. I felt like every moment... Uh, that you're experiencing Wanda's loss, the loss of her parents, the loss of her brother, the loss of vision. Really, you, you spent enough time in those moments that when she has her big scream at the end of the episode, it is so earned. Yeah. I, you know, you, you feel, you very much feel her, her torment and anguish when she just loses her shit there in Westview. Well, and I, I like I, how Agatha called it out. It's yeah. like this time you didn't have vision there to bring you back from the edge. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and I, I particularly enjoyed, uh, you know, how Agatha labels it as chaos magic. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, labels her as the Scarlet Witch. Um, I also very, very much enjoyed the appearance of White Vision. Yeah, I mean, yes. that is that is such a callback to the comics. I was like, oh, hey. oh, oh, yes, thank you. And, and Aaron, real quick, what what comic series was Vision kidnapped in and turned into White Vision? What 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 series was that? believe that was the west coast avengers that though. was the yeah. west coast avengers <laughs> i love that run so much and i love white vision um you know there's a, a, a miniature game i play that has marvel heroes and i painted my vision up as the white vision uh just for that reason um hashtag yeah. white vision so white yeah <laughs> the white vision of the comics was heartbreaking though because yes he comes back without any of the memories so right. wanda doesn't actually get her husband back I expect yeah. we're going to see the exact same thing. You know, in, in the comics, it was because Simon Williams refused to give his memory engrams to the new Again. White Vision. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, in the comic book, they're just going to, that's not going to be an issue, obviously. It's just because the mind gym's not there, probably, to give him personality this time. But he, I bet it's the same soulless, robotic White Vision we saw in the comic books. Yeah. And it's going to break her heart more. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting watching the episode because there were some things that I had called, but there were some I didn't see at all. Like I figured the the head of sword was going to end up being a kind of bad guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they'd done all that uh, showing the video and all, making it look like Wanda had taken Vision's body. Right. That when they be, they give that realization that she never took his body, that he still has the actual body, and the that Vision some, uh... that's in there is one that she's created from scratch. I yes. did not see that coming. That was some creative editing they did on the footage they showed, uh -huh. you know, Rambo and the rest of them during that briefing earlier in the series. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, that also surprised me, too. And I was because I, you know, makes sense. She went in stricken with grief, stole the body, left. And then, you know, you see what really happened in this in this episode. And, uh, you know, you can tell that the director uh, is, is actually pushing her buttons. You know, he wants vision oh, back yeah. and he's yeah. trying to provoke her. And to bring him back because to they wanted her, that juice of power to spark up his white vision. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and he, he's even like, you know, um, he's like, you know, not everyone has the power to bring back their dead, dead love. And she's like, what? I can't do that. And he's like, right. oh, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah right. like, everyone knows how powerful Wanda is except for Wanda. Right. Right. And I loved in the flashbacks little things like, you know, oh, little baby witch does a probability hex. 
on the bomb. Yeah. One of the things that I found really interesting is Marvel has really leaned away from magic in their movies. Um, and so it was interesting to me to see them lean, lean so hard into magic in this series. Um, you know, and, and the, the reason that we've heard is that uh, particularly the Chinese market uh, does not appreciate magic. Huh. Um, and I, I, I'm just fascinated that they're like, eh, we're going to do it here. And I, I wonder if that means that maybe the TV shows don't don't play as well in uh in china, in china yeah. as well as the features I th- do i don't know is this i thought disney plus wasn't in china like they couldn't get in i could be wrong I, that, about I, that. I don't know i don't know i'm just i'm just interested I, I find that interesting that um you know they've really like that was the reason that they made thor and the asgardian gods you know it's a science you don't understand versus magic right um so anyway, I just I, I find that interesting, and I, and I wonder if it's just a difference that you know they're not releasing. So even if there's not Disney Plus, they could still release the series. They could sell the series for broadcast or you know cable, whatever in China. DVDs, yeah. But but maybe that's not a market for them. I don't know. I'm curious so, about that though. You know, we know obviously that that White Vision's probably going to break Wanda's heart. Anyone who's read the comic books knows that the twins are going to break Wanda's heart. I don't see how this show ends on a high note for the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, don't see, I don't see a happy ending in our future. Well, I I am predicting Doctor Strange showing up in the last episode. Mm, Maybe like as it. only a cameo to, to, you know, after she deals. Because I think she has to be the one to deal with Agatha. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. has to be the one to handle that. But he needs to come in and help heal her mind. So that's kind of what I expect is that's or, how it's going to lead or, into the multiverse of madness. Yeah. And, and Paul's been quiet. Is that because he didn't watch this already or because he doesn't have any strong feelings about it? No, I did watch it. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was just kind of waiting. I'm listening to you guys. Uh, Cause I have plenty of things to say later about Superman and Lois. Um, you know, <laughs> as it relates to one division. No, I thought it was a, you know, this episode, it, it's funny because I'm watching it and I'm like, huh, this kind of reminds me of Watchmen on HBO where the penultimate episode is basically your flashback episode where everything's explained. Cause you know, Watchmen was also a nine episode series and the eighth episode was all the, you know, the, the sequence of flashbacks to explain what happened. Um, and so I, I just found that interesting that, that kind of coincidence or, or similar uh, theming. Uh, I, I really did enjoy the episode. I enjoyed the, the, you know, the kind of the flashback and, kind of fleshing out of things um i thought it was interesting that at the end of episode seven you know you have the whole agatha all along thing that everyone like blew up on loved it you know but you know then you watch episode eight and it's like oh it really wasn't (laughs) you know it wasn't it it wasn't her that created it but it was definitely her that was kind of moving the narrative along in the in her you know within you know she 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 killed the dog paul she she killed killed sparky She yeah. killed Sparky. Yeah, it was, that, that was the coldest thing. She's like, and I killed Sparky. Like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it was her trying to wake Wanda up. So she caused all of the everything that went wrong in Wanda's perfect little TV show was her. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think um, so. Two things that that you guys haven't touched on. You mentioned, you know, the reference to the Scarlet Witch. I'm very curious. You know, she's like, you're the Scarlet Witch. Not like a superhero name, but like right. the Scarlet Witch is some legendary, um, 
mythological title. Yeah. Yeah, like it's a mantle or a a prophecy. My guess is that yeah. it somehow relates to the Darkhold. Yeah. And that we'll see the Darkhold, uh, uh, you know, and Kithon uh, introduced at some point into the yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, by the way, I'm kind of hot for. Yeah, if I we could have some it. Mount Wondegore in, uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm in for that. Sign me yeah. up. Well, and it comes back to, I keep hearing people say that the uh, Netflix series are not canon anymore and that uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. aren't. So I don't know. Because the Darkhold was a big part of Agents of Shield first season. Yeah, you know, he had, Kevin Feige and he, Kevin Feige had a pretty lengthy interview this week. I think with Hollywood Reporter, maybe Variety, one of those, you know, trade publications. And you know, he said he 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 didn't discount that they're canon. He didn't, you know, he didn't adamantly declare that they wouldn't contradict them. Um, but he, you know, he said because they they actually talked about uh, one of the questions was, hey, you know, like. People are now saying, hey, you know, that Marvel fig- finally figured out TV. And he kind of cut off the interviewer. He's like, I'd, I'd actually disagree with you there. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a very dedicated fan base. And so do the Netflix shows. I feel like they disagree with that statement that we couldn't do t- television right before. Um, you know, we just f- did it differently this time. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I do think there is... Because, yeah, of course, every time... Now that all of those properties are back under the Marvel banner... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never left it, but, um, right. you know, the, the Netflix shows, they, of course, the first question is, what are you going to do with the characters? And, you know, they play coy. It's Marvel. They're good about keeping secrets. So I guess we'll see. You know, I mean, I would be very interested in seeing, now that being, you know, the, when it comes to the Netflix shows, really the only ones I want to see again are Daredevil and Punisher and, and Kingpin. Yeah, and uh, Charlie Cox is in the new Spider-Man movie. Jessica Jones? No. Nah. I love Jessica Jones. Come on. <laughs> Jessica Jones is my favorite of the series. Yeah. It's not the happiest of the series, but I love yeah. that series. I didn't even bother with season two or three. Oh. Ah, I just couldn't do it. I know. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm in the minority here. Yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I did WandaVision, you know, I, I, we've got one more episode to go. Uh, you know, I don't know how it feels like there's a lot to wrap up. I'm sorry. It's one more? One more. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I thought we had yeah. two. Wow. Yeah, no. There's, there's. It's a nine episode uh, series, and so next week will be the final episode. Uh, wow. And like they said, it will definitely lead into Doctor Strange. You know, um, whatever it's called, Multiverse of Madness. I don't know if Wanda is going to be Doctor Strange's partner, yeah, superhero apprentice. partner, or apprentice. She could be like, or, she could be like Clea. Or <laughs> will she be the villain? You know, coming out of this, hard to say. It really could go either way. Yeah. So I, I mean I, I I really really enjoy Wandavision. I figured I think they figured out the right formula. I, I I like that Marvel or Disney has said, hey, you know, we're just gonna roll straight into the next series after this one. So the week yeah. after Wandavision ends, we get the start of Falcon and Winter Soldier. As soon as that ends, we'll get Loki. As soon as that ends, I think we'll get What If. Um, it's pretty think, exciting. Yeah. I you know the and I think what's super exciting about it is God. Dang, the production value on this stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So good. So I good. can't get over how well written it is, how well directed it is, how well produced it is. I mean, they're they're just gorgeous to look at. Um, I think Elizabeth Olsen is brilliant, and I know that genre programs very rarely get any love in the award shows. But how can she not get a best actress out of this? I mean, she ha- she has been amazing. Yeah, she has been everything. All the yeah. different eras. Seeing the the and pain and things twisted on her face, in and it's comedy, it's drama. It, I mean, it's the whole it's bit. horror. 
Yeah, there are times where she's downright scary. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I gotta say, you know, from the cinematic universe, I, you know, Elizabeth Olsen never really impressed me, yeah, Scarlet Witch. Same but, here. Same but in here. this TV series, she's blown me away. Yeah, I, I, I found her very forgettable in the Marvel movies. Yes, and when they announced Wandavision, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. And you know, <laughs> then we saw the previews. I was like, okay, well, it looks interesting. And then she's just, she has owned it. You yeah. know, every time she's oh. on screen, she has owned it. She won I, me over in uh, Infinity War. I don't think I completely agree with you on all the movies leading up to it that she just was kind of forgettable in the role. And I don't think that was her fault. I think no, that I was, think she didn't have much to do. She was exactly. overshadowed. Yeah. Infinity War. I thought she shined. Well, there's two things on the on one of the flashbacks that are in the flashbacks that I wanted to touch on super quick, which is one. The vision she had, vision, that's maybe the wrong word, the premonition she yeah. had um, of Scarlet Witch in Scarlet Witch costume. You know, it's it's all silhouetted with the big light behind it. But, you know, the yeah. silhouette, you can see that is the, that is, you know, a, a, a modern version of the Scarlet Witch costume right. from the comic books. Um, and two, I don't know why it struck me so funny that when she leaves S.W.O.R.D., she just gets in like a red Buick and drives off <laughs> to New Jersey. Yeah, to the, yeah. I was like, oh, God, she just talked about that. But it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking when she goes into Westview and oh, goes yeah. to the lot that mm-hmm. Vision bought to build them a home. Yeah, yeah, to that was the big in. thing. When she it's opens just... that paper, it's like, what is the paper? And then you see, Vision has thought about it ahead of time and bought them the lot where they're going to build their house and have their life together. And he's got the little heart drawn on it. Living in the suburbs. I mean, it is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it got me. I, I, these guys, the, the writers on this show are fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about another new TV. Well, I guess WandaVision isn't technically new since we're eight weeks in, <laughs> um, but we're going to talk about another TV show here in a second. Um, you know, th- this week, Superman and Lois, Started on the CW with an hour and a half premiere episode, but before... only five minutes of commercials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, they also announced as of yesterday, you know, well, yesterday as of this recording, that there is a Superman reboot on the way um, from a writer Tanahisi Coates and producer J.J. Abrams. Tanahisi Coates of Black Panther fame, yeah, uh, and a current writer on I think Captain America. For Marvel? That may be correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it was funny. Shortly before this news came out, I, I sent a note out in our chat uh, that, you know, I really think that if DC were smart, they'd do an Earth-23 Superman, who is the, you know, African-American Superman in the DC universe. And, I mean, then, like, the next day, you know, they come out with the news that Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing uh, the Superman script. Um, I hope that's what they do. I hope they do a uh, an Earth twenty three Superman. I do not want them to to you know uh, you know reboot the current franchise and and you know essentially replace Henry Cavill with somebody else. I I think this needs to be his own character, like you Calvin know? Ellis instead of Clark Kent. You're saying right? Yeah, I'd be okay with I, that. I, I I'd actually prefer that, not because. You know, here's the thing. I am not one of those like don't change my heroes guys. Like I'm I'm not that guy either, but I just think there's room for both. And I, I think that you eliminate a lot of the noise if you don't make this, you know, black Clark Kent. 
Yeah, and I think, I think that you it, open up more options if I you agree. make it a different character. I well, agree. And you're not just beholden. And Marvel already taught us it's possible, right? That yeah. Miles Morales film was gangbusters at the box That's office right. and with the critics, you know, without saying, hey, here's Black Peter Parker. You know, they right. actually, you know, said, hey, here's a character, you know, that that is not your standard Peter Parker. You still have that. But we also have this other character, and, right. and, and you can have both and enjoy both. And I think that would be the wise decision to yeah. make with this. And that's what I'm hoping they do. Me too. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for story there. I'm super excited about it. And you know, the reason why why I said that to begin with is that I think DC needs to stop waiting for Milestone to get off its ass. Yeah. Um, I love Milestone. They have had one delay after another getting their crap together. And, uh, you know, I very much want an icon and rocket movie. I want a static shock movie. Uh, I want a hardware movie, but in lieu of those things, give me an earth 23 Superman and then we can have all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I right. Could, I could pass on the hardware movie, but the rest of them I want. God, I love hardware. No, I would, I would love a hardware out of all of them. Hardware is the one I want. <laughs> I, actually, what I want what I want is a hardware HBO max series. Yeah. That's what I want. Because, you know, that way you could be a little bit, uh, you know, rated yeah. R. Get some uh, nudity. The, well, and the violence, because hardware is super violent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I want to see that kind of action on the screen, like an HBO Max series can deliver. But, well, Aaron, uh, is it really appropriate to call him the African-American Superman? Because he's Kryptonian. <laughs> okay, he's African Kryptonian. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> well, you know, here's here's the interesting thing. And Warner Brothers, God bless him. They keep doing this shit. This is so. I'm um, Warner Brothers has a history of, hey, Swamp Thing first episode came out like within the same week. Just so you know, we canceled the shit. The Flash, the first episode came out featuring Grant Gustin, and within the same week, they're like, hey, just so you know, we've cast a movie Flash that's not Grant Gustin. Right. And now we have the Superman and Lois um, premiere episode starring uh, Tyler Hoechlin. Uh -huh. And within the same week, they're like, "Hey, just so you know, we've cast a different. Per <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do a different Superman on the big screen." And I, I that's one of the reasons I do hope that it's a different character because, um, you know, we're, I, I guess this is probably a good segue into Superman and Lois. I thought Tyler Hoechlin knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and when it comes to the movies, I want it to be a different character because I actually like Henry Cavill in the role. I just don't like the movies they put him in. So I want him to still have that option as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, more to come. Uh, you know, the, the rumors as it relates to the, uh, you know, it's just rumors. And I think it's, I shouldn't even say rumors. I think it's fan speculation that, you know, they see J.J. Abrams and they're like, well, it should be John Boyega. But there's also the Black Panther slash connection to Michael B. Jordan, who submitted a Superman movie idea about two years ago. Um that kind of I think Michael B. Jordan would be great in it, but of course Michael B. Jordan's great in everything. Yeah. I mean yeah. I love Michael yeah. B. Jordan. I think he'd be fantastic, yeah. but you know, I guess it's all gonna depend on if he's returning for Black Panther or or what the plan is for him. I know his character right. died, but you know, it's Marvel, it's comics. Um so I guess, you know, we'll see. I think he would be fantastic for the role. I'm not the biggest Boyega fan. Um nor am I. Yeah. You know, but Well, um, and there's a big rumor about a Marvel project he'll be in, so yeah. So, oh yeah, got that is. Oh. So we all watched Superman and Lois this week. And uh, you know, I, I, Wayne as the resident other Superman 
fanboy. I mean, I guess we're all Superman fanboys, but you know, Wayne is you know goes to the Metropolis Superman celebrations and all that stuff. What did you think of the premiere episode of Superman and Lois? I absolutely loved it, beginning to end. They broke my heart early on. They had me so invested in the characters and the. And I assume we're going to be doing spoilers. Yeah, we are. Yeah. When Ma Kent died. Yes. It was heartbreaking. I took turn to my my wife and I watched this together. And, you know, I looked at her and was like, I knew they were going to kill Pa Kent, but they just killed Ma Kent in the first episode. And she didn't understand yeah. why I was crying, but there you go. <laughs> well, and it bugged it, if I will tell you at first time, so the first 20 minutes of the show, because I think the first commercial is like 20 minutes in, I'm like, this is like perfect. And I'm like, why did they kill Ma Kent already? But, you know, I, I also have to like step back and realize this is. This is a Superman with teenage kids, so this is pro- you know this is ten plus years after the Superman yeah. we're even reading in the comics right now. Yeah, this well, this is. I had this that same. Okay, I, like, I had that same conversation with my wife. She's like, I knew they would kill Pa because they always kill Pa, but I didn't realize they'd kill Ma. And I'm like, well, this isn't an origin story for him. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, been this doing this for a while. This isn't about Ma Kent raising uh, Clark. It's about Clark raising uh, Jonathan and Jordan. Yeah. I love the reveals about Ma Kent, though, that she had uh, reverse mortgaged the farm, but how she had spent the money was saving everyone in town. And holding on to money for the kids' college funds. Yeah, and she was doing it all in secret from Clark. It's like, that is so the Ma Kent that I want to hear about. It's perfect. You know what, what surprised me in this show is how much I truly enjoyed the Super Sons. Right. Um, th- those actors did such a great job with those characters because it's easy to hate teenagers. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but they were so, so good and so different. Um, and they were very different, but they're still very realistic. Like yeah. they weren't they didn't take either character so far to the extreme of their their kind of um, uh, stereotype to be unbelievable. You know, you had the, the jock son and then you had kind of the more video game nerdy son. And, and they played it a perfectly although uh, there's gotta be one confusing thing on set so you know jordan kent is played by alex garfin uh jonathan kent is played by jordan elsis so when they say <laughs> jordan we need you on the set are both them like what they just yeah, both show I, up i noticed that too and i was wondering about that yeah but yeah as i was watching the kids on there it's like i really jordan was really fascinating to me i liked that character a lot because we've seen various Superman sons in different realities. We've seen the Jonathan Kent in the comics. And neither of these characters is the Jonathan Kent from the comics. Right. But we've never seen a Superman son like Jordan before. Well, you know, so what I found interesting about the show, and Aaron is somewhat, you know, this is directly for you, Aaron, is it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a modern day family drama featuring Superman and the troubles with his children and his, you know, family and, you know, returning home. And it reminded me of a month ago, the fact that Aaron and I watched the premiere of Walker, the new Walker Mm -hmm. reboot. And, you know, despite the similarities in, you know, in content, Walker was so very terrible. Right. And Superman and Lois did, you know, I will say what's funny about Superman and Lois for me is that the family drama I enjoyed so much more uh-huh. than the Superman action where he was fighting Captain Luther in space. Um, I, I actually became disinterested in that battle 
and I don't know, you know, it, it's just, and maybe it's just because of the the sci- the special effects weren't so great. You know, there was TV budget special effects in that battle. Um, but for me, that was the weakest part of the episode. Not that it sucked, but it was certainly weaker than the rest of it. Well, I do think, you know, the key differences between Superman and Lois versus, uh, you know, the the Walker show with uh, uh, Jared Padalecki is, uh, number one, the actors in Superman mm. and Lois are much better. Uh, the writing in the show is much better and the directing is much better. So really, it's just a much better show. <laughs> There's that. Um, <laughs> the, the thing that I was I was fascinated about in this show uh, beyond the fact, you know, CW is generally pretty good at making a pilot episode. Um, and so I went in expecting it to be pretty good and I was not disappointed. It was pretty darn good. Um, but what I was very surprised about is while I think that the actors who play Lois and, uh, Clark are, you know, uh, exceptional people, I don't care for the casting and had not cared for the casting, uh, prior to the show, what we'd seen in the other CW shows, but they very much became the parts to me in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that was a big lift for them. Cause I went in not liking them, but Lois felt like Lois and Clark felt like Clark. Yeah. And... Lois in particular was very different than we've seen her before. Like, I could believe her as a mother and I could not. And you know what I think it is, Wayne? writing i think that the the writing was so much better in this show than it was in any of the supergirl episodes that i saw superman in well Um, you know the other thing that really got me paul mentioned the first 20 minutes or so being the uh just like amazing and part of it they go through the flashback scenes uh to tell you the life of these characters and i can't explain why but as i'm watching it it felt genuine and real. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't know this was a pilot, I would think this was, there had been more, more seasons of the show yeah. or a previously previous show. on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> like, like normally when they do things like that in the flashbacks, the scene looks like, okay, they did this for a flashback, but it looked so natural in all of those scenes and seeing how they developed. And, and then the, uh, like right away, the other thing that it got me on nostalgia on there's a few there are a few line callbacks that went back to Christopher Reeves, mm-hmm. but the freezing the lake and pulling it out and dropping it in the nuclear power plant mm-hmm. that for me was just a huge callback to previous Superman, and it won me over because they did the I'm gonna freeze the lake with my with my you know freeze breath. But when he pulls it out, it's not some big, flat, unrealistic looking thing. Right. You know, it was a realistic looking chunk of ice that as he starts to lower in, it starts melting before he drops it in. And they found ways to take the old ideas that were cool but came off cheesy and update them and make them work. I thought it was a very successful, you know, outing for yeah. uh, the first episode. I I, I, I uh, created the season pass for it on my DVR. Uh, I think the real trick now will be: Can the CW keep it up? And that's because my that main has concern, not, right? Yeah, that is my main concern as well because that has not been their track record. No, because we've seen like, uh, uh, say, say an Arrow, you know, uh-huh. that they develop these relationships and 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 outside of the heroine, which often become more interesting than the actual heroine part. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then in Arrow, they just put them in repetitive loops where uh-huh. you know he gets together and then they break him up, and they get they get right. together and they break him up. And it's this it becomes this recursive loop that they never get out of 
Yeah, if they do that with Jordan and Lana's daughter, I it's going to become like Smallville all over again and be frustrating. Yes. So I hope they either deal Move with the that. story forward. Yeah, I really like that actress too. I thought that in that role, it was it was a fascinating role. And immediately seeing them together, it's like, oh, Clark's son is going to have a thing for Lana's daughter. That's kind of cool. Well, I love that like, reference. Like, that's why my mom got up. That's why my dad got upset when he, she saw you on my mom's Facebook page. Well, you yeah. know, when uh, Lana, you know, shows up at, you know, Ma's funeral, I was like, oh, maybe Chloe will be here. Oh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's too soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, she's in jail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll be very curious to see, you know, how it progresses. Did any of y'all watch the uh, the. Uh, Legacy of Hope special that followed it. I no. didn't because I didn't have it recorded. I recorded so, it, but I didn't watch it. It was a, a thirty-minute, you know, just kind of a, a bit about Superman, you know, and you know the making of the show and and whatnot. And the thing that I I, I found irritating and amusing all at the same time is, uh, you know, they'll put the actors on there and the actors will talk about what Superman means to me and the importance of Superman, yada, yada, which I guess I can understand, particularly from the actors who play uh, Superman and Lois. Because they've been in these characters for a while, right? But then they shoot the teenagers, and they're talking about, like, you know, the importance and the gravitas of Superman in our modern culture. I'm like, shut up, you're reading a script. (laughs) Uh, But they had Jeff Johns and Jim Lee on. And uh, it was the first time in, I think, maybe a decade that I've seen Jeff Johns without a ball cap on. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I was, I was, I was like, wow, he's he's still got hair up there. Maybe that's a wig. I don't know. Um, but Jim Lee is up there talking, and the, the, they're talking about like they were the ones who created Superman with a family. And it started getting my back up because I'm like, God damn it, this ought to be Dan Jurgens talking. It should be, you know, because yeah. it was really ticking me off. Like Jim Lee and Jeff Johns were responsible for those stories. It really ticked me off. <laughs> I got Speaking mad. Of, on uh... Those responsible. Did you guys notice what was written on the chalkboard in their apartment in, in Metropolis? I or did not. I need to go back and look at and see what that was. What was that? It says, call uh, Schuster and Siegel, and it had a fake 555 phone number underneath it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked yeah. me up. So, Paul, you'd mentioned the special effects. I agree with you that the fight with uh, Captain Luther didn't look particularly good. But I thought outside of that, that they... It looked yeah. really good, special yeah. effects. The like first half, the ice excellent. and the yeah, the yeah. ice thing and all that. But the Captain Luther thing, I, and you know, to Aaron's point about it being CW, that stuff just concerns me. When I see Captain Luther, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna bring in some like Flash multiverse future time travel bullshit already. Like, just just give me a good Superman show. Don't don't was, don't, don't give me a crossover <laughs> for you guys who who do more CW stuff. Uh, is Captain Luther someone we've seen somewhere else before? Like Legends no. Tomorrow? No. Yeah. Okay. Not and, to my knowledge. And do we I all think, think he's Lex Luthor from the future? I think he I, is. I don't think he's from the future. I think he's from one of the worlds that didn't survive crisis. Sure. We'll think Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. But somehow he don't came through. <laughs> and that's why he has a history with Superman in his world. Paul's disturbed because he's like, yes, that's exactly what it is. God yeah. damn it. I'm, pr- I'm happy with that. I mean, because uh, I no. want them to do their own Luther and not the Luther from Supergirl. I mean, I agree with that, but I also don't want it tied into that garbage crisis crossover. Ugh. Yeah, it's yeah, understandable. Uh, it, it seems like he's some from somewhere where his entire planet died, and he's in the survivor based on his monologuing. 
Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I was uh, watching the watching the episode with my wife, and she makes a comment about, you would think by now he would be better at being a father, talking about Clark. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, when you really think about it, this is right after Crisis. His kid was just born and then magically became twins and adults. <laughs> That's true. He didn't really. He wasn't really there. He has the memories of that, but I did he find didn't it interesting it. that that wasn't in the previously on that they ju- they made it seem like you know the kids are normalized. I'm glad they yeah. didn't. I'm glad they didn't as well. No, I'm no, glad they I, didn't I pull just, it I, either. Yeah, I I just think that's an that 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 is a choice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, We're like, just going to pretend none of that happened. Well, I think that makes it new reader friendly, new viewer friendly, right? You can just hop in and you don't have to watch it and go, oh, does that mean yeah, I need to go watch something else? I was yeah. so happy Supergirl wasn't in it because that's what I expected was them to use Supergirl to help launch it. Yeah, and, and I would I want this to be a show up. up. Yeah, I yeah. want this to be its own thing. For as long as it can, yeah, I would prefer it to be its own centralized, you know, there is, of the universe. There is not a CW show out there right now that I want this show to cross over with. Agreed. Absolutely. You yeah. Because I mean, Batwoman is garbage. I mean, it is garbage. Uh, the closest thing I, I would I would suggest would be the Flash, but even that's gone off the rails. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. I would rather they just stayed clear of the crossover. They are doing a crossover, not with Superman and Lois, but. They've made the announcement that uh, Jay, uh, Jay Garrick from Flash is going to be on Stargirl. Yeah, and yeah. I it's during a flashback episode, and it's him and the Justice Society. So mm-hmm. I am super excited about that crossover, particularly because we've already got an established you know Justice Society in that show. They're just all mostly dead. <laughs> I I like. We talk about the CW shows a lot. I don't consider Stargirl a CW show, even though it is, because it doesn't seem to be part of that universe. And I loved Stargirl the whole first season. I think you're alone on that one, Wayne. But, you know. I, I can't I enjoy- judge it. I haven't finished yeah, it. Yeah, I never finished I've- it. I enjoyed the first episode. I think I saw the second. But I just, you know, if for me, I just, uh, I, and, and I know Wayne's a big Stargirl fan to begin with. I, I, I just did. I just got away from it, probably because I had heard it was coming to the CW. And I'm like, eh. It'll suck at some point, so I might as well give up. <laughs> uh, well, you know, speaking of sucking, um, you know, we have we have mixed feelings about DC's future state event. Um, you know, over the last two months, this was the final week of the the main event of the future state books. Um, you know, Dark Detective ended. And, uh, you know, Wayne and I really, really enjoyed that series. We enjoyed Wonder Woman. And then there were other series that we didn't enjoy. Um, But I, you know, I picked up one of the books this week. And it was a one-shot, Superman, The House of L, which is a a far-flung future, um, you know, tale of Superman's descendants. And um, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson who is the new writer coming into Superman in action comics, you know, taking over the reins on the Superman books. And I will tell you, this book was fantastic. I loved everything about this book. Um, It's basically, you know, like I said, these far-flung descendants of Superman battling against um, the hordes of, of apocalypse in, you know, the, probably hundreds if not thousands of years in the future i don't think it actually uh says the timeline um but i i just i read it and i'm like god damn it 
that this is only a one shot because I wanted to know more about these characters. Uh, you know, we talked about an African-American Superman. You know, one of the lead characters was an African-American Superman. Um, just seeing the legacy of Superman doing battle with, you know, the the apocalypse of the future. It, it is just a really well-drawn and well-written book. Um, and I, I want to know more about this universe. So I, I know you guys, you know, Aaron and Wayne are uh, DC Universe Infinite um subscribers you know in six months or whatever when this book pops on there highly recommend checking it out because it is just i don't know it scratched me right where i itch um because it is just so good i'll give it a read when it's free to read i am curious is this supposed to be the end of the all the future state stuff because superman versus imperious lex ended with a to be continued um i thought this was the last week because next week is the start of the infinite frontier and that's what I thought, too. That's why I was so surprised to see To Be Continued on the last page. Maybe I think some so. of them are getting, um, you know, maybe con either digital continuations or things like that. So maybe that's, in fact, one of the books, the next book um, that you know, Aaron and I read was the next, super, or excuse me, the next Batman, Second Son, from John Ridley and Tony Atkins. Um, and, you know, that's kind of continues the story of the next Batman post-future state and uh you know so i think some of these stories will continue so i but i don't know about that one specifically so aaron you picked up next batman second son it's a digital first series uh you know weekly releases 99 cents an issue yeah i uh i had not read the other batman books in future state but i did pick up this one because you know digital first 84 cents with my uh you know comicsology discount um I didn't hate it. I I, I really? feel like you did. I yeah. did. Um, I just I read it and I'm like, I don't know. I felt like I felt lost. Well, I, I will say that that's how I felt as well. Um, it, it felt you know the when you when they're doing these eighty four cent you know digital first books, you're getting them in an act you know, slices. You know, so you get act one, act two, act three. Um, and I didn't feel like it gave me enough information in this first act to really understand where we mm -hmm. are and what we were doing um but you know i thought it was well drawn yeah i mean the I art's good i mean it kind of reminds me of a james bond opening sequence a little bit it did you know, there's it did. a storm on a compound and he escapes and then the issue ends basically but you know it's funny you know it there is clearly a one page uh the very last page <laughs> of, of this yeah it's like a it, instead of a, it's like a full page spread uh-huh. Yeah. But they cut it in half. And so you get uh Grifter sitting with some woman. Maybe she's somebody I'm supposed to know. I don't know who she I is. I don't know who she is. Um, but yeah, you got Grifter there and it and the the panel that you get, because of the way they cut these digital first books, it's really weird. Um, you got Grifter sitting on this on this couch with this woman talking to uh What's this character's Tim, name? Tim Fox. Tim. When he comes in and it cuts down to Tim's point of view where he's actually seeing what you're seeing and what it really should be is a continuation of that panel. So it's it's all one page, but they've cut it. And so I kept going, is this just a guided view thing? So I took it out of guided view. No, it's it's actually broken. Um, it is the weirdest darn cut page. Yeah, it is so unusual. It like, yeah, like it, it, it's just lazy. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, is all well, it is. I, 
I think they've got some automated process that scans these things in to to define the guided view and to d- define the panel breaks. Mm-hmm. And because on these digital firsts, they like them uh, for on your on your on your tablet to be able to read it in landscape view, right? Mm-hmm. That's how that's how how the uh, the pages work. You know, they're more of a landscape rather than portrait sort of view, like a standard comic book would be. Um, and so nobody took that into account in the scanning process. This would have taken a technician to go in there and go, Oh, we need to fix this for that page. Cause it's just such a weird, you know, the, the way the dialogue lands in that box, you know, the artist drew it for a full page, mm-hmm. but it got cut in half vertically <laughs> you know, instead of making the full page work. It's just so weird. It is. It's a, it's an unusual choice. Will you be picking up issue two? I don't know. <laughs> I, prob- I, I will tell you, I will probably, what I will likely do is in a few months when the Future State stuff is yeah. on sale, I will pick yeah. up the the next Batman books. Like I know you'll pick it up when, um, you'll probably pick up, uh, that's, you'll read that stuff when it's on universe infinity. dc yeah. yeah infinity um but I'll, whatever you know, the hell they're calling that app yeah so i'll wait you know I'll wait till those books are 99 cents because those were eight dollar books you know those were those big chunky ones with backup stories so when yeah. they're 99 cents then i'll read the next batman the first issue i didn't hate it just wasn't good enough for me to continue yeah i think you're right i i think i am just gonna wait for it to hit the app uh and if i, I like know, that I was then i'll revisit this exactly exactly yeah, yeah. I was underwhelmed by it. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I didn't hate it. I think that if there was more there, I think in, in this scenario, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was written for the format it was delivered in. Agreed. And uh, so it, it did not grab me because I think when you're, when you're right, when you're releasing it in act breaks, I think you've got to really have something jazzy at the end of your, your act to make you say, oh my God, I got to get that. You know, yeah, and I agree. That, there wasn't anything. It's like, huh, okay, next. Well, you know, speaking of expensive books, um, you know, the Generations Forged, you know, so Generations, I don't remember the first issue, um, what the title was, but the first issue of the series came out at the start of Future State, though unrelated. It was Generations Shattered. Shattered. And so Generations Forged is now released, you know, during the last week of Future State. Um, And so this is, you know, one of those big chunky seven, eight dollar books. 80 pages of content. Can we just go ahead and call it a $9 book? Wasn't this eight ninety nine? Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, oof, I'm glad I didn't pay eight ninety nine <laughs> for it. Did you not pick it up? No, no, I picked it up, but I, I have that comicsology unlimited discount oh, okay. that got me like a dollar something off. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I will say I thought, well, as, as much as I enjoyed the first issue, I felt like this one was very mediocre. Um, I know I, I, I know it sounds like I'm negative. I was positive about Future State. I'm going to be positive about the next book that we're going to talk about. But this one, I was just like, I read it and I'm like, huh, kind of a lackluster ending. Just kind of me. Well, you know, it felt like it felt like a lot of these, you know, big event books, even though this one wasn't particularly a large event. But it felt like with those big event books where it's like, let's go chase the thing. We got to get the thing, you know, and all of us are going to get divided up and we're going to go get the thing. And then we got the thing. Well, the thing here was, you know, we've got to run away from uh, the goneness effect, which I every time they, they used that term, I cracked up because that just sounds ridiculous. Um, but, you know, the idea was that we then have to take the fight back to Dominus. Um the the story felt very plodding, but there are a lot of things I liked about this book. Um, 
one of the things that I, 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 I mean, I liked Commandy. You know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed seeing him. I enjoyed, uh, you know, seeing, you know, him fight with, uh, you know, OMAC. Um, enjoyed a lot of the things. And, and I think the thing that I liked the most, and, and maybe this is what Wayne enjoyed as well, is old school Jorel and General Zod showing up. Uh, I thought those those were nice, fun elements. Yeah, because I haven't were... finished reading the book, but I am to that ah, point, and I but, loved everything on Krypton. But I gotta tell you, there are some things here, one in particular, uh, that just pissed me off. Um, so let me, you know, we've got the you know original 1930s Batman in the pages of this book, and there is a glorious page where he's you know throwing elbows and knocking bad guys around in the future, and it's just it is beautifully drawn. I love how wild uh, this Batman seems to be, but you know in detective mode, he just all of a sudden comes up with something, um, you know where he's he says, let me see if I can find it here. Um, where they're trying to figure out, you know, all the universes are dying out. You know, the goneness effect is wiping out from what they're seeing is wiping out, uh, all of history and Batman without any clues or evidence to draw him to this. He says, perhaps the eras we think gone or not, this is all beyond me, I suppose, but I've given it a lot of thought. What if those eras weren't destroyed, but moved? And this winds up being the what's actually happened. There is no evidence. There is nothing he's seen. It's just he pulls this out of his bat ass and, uh, you know, solves the problem. I just it I, I got so irritated with the book at that point. I was like, you know, you couldn't have given us something for him to put his hooks into other than just go, oh, you know, the everything that we've seen destroyed isn't really destroyed. It's just hiding somewhere. Oh, uh, irritated the tar out of the ball <laughs> did it irritate the tar it did and the there is a host of artists working on this book and some of the pages like that page where where batman's throwing fists and whatnot looks amazing there are other things uh where the art is just unbearable there is a scene where uh there is they're fighting dominus and it is uh dr light and superboy on the page and Superboy looks like he's been knocked apart. His body is so anatomically incorrect. I'm like, oh, my God, Dominus just killed Superboy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, his arms and legs are all fine. It's his those neck, Brian Hitch pages, isn't it? Oh, yes. And they're, I mean, they're hideous. Yeah. They I, are hideous. And I think that was my problem with the book. You know, I liked I liked the return to some of the, you know, the classic views of Jarrell and Zod or the you know, and, and some of the stuff that was in the beginning of the book, um, you know, Superboy and Steel in medieval or not medieval, prehistoric times. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of the book, the ending, and perhaps it was the choice of art. <laughs> Funny enough, it has kind of a similar ending to the thing I was just bitching about, the Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. where your big time controlling guy just turns into a giant and everyone has to fight him via right. fisticuffs. And I'm like, that's right. it? That, that, that That's how this is going to end? He's just going to turn well, into a giant? And didn't you, I, I kind of had, you know, we, we I think the, the thing that was so unique and interesting about this book is the collection of heroes from various points in time, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, the, the Wayne, I'm going to spoil something. So, you know, 
uh, close your ears. Um, the the establishment of the linear verse at the end of the story. Um, I would have thought that what they would do is retain this group of this unique group of heroes as sort of a superhero team, you know, as sort of a linear verse ju- Justice League. Wouldn't it be fun to see Commandy in an ongoing series with these characters? That's what I was looking for. I was, I was like, I, I think I can get pretty excited about that. And then they just send everybody back, and of course they don't have the memories of what's happened. So you send Batman back to the 1930s, and he doesn't know that any of this stuff has happened. You send you know, Starfire back to the 80s. You send Steel back to the 90s. And it's like none of this happened, even though we've established this linear verse where all of this stuff has happened. And all of these characters now age at a slower rate so as to explain why Batman's still in peak fighting form in 2021, even though he started fighting crime back in the 30s. I don't understand that. Yeah, I found um, that linear verse establishment a little funky, right? Uh-huh. Like, okay, so the Batman of the 30s is the same Batman we have now, right? I guess. He's had all of his Robins, right? Yeah. Or, or maybe yes. this is a different universe. It, it was just, you know... that. The... Well, I think linear verse is a different universe than the standard DCU, ah, right? Okay. I, I think linear verse exists outside. It's this other place. But if you're going to do that, why not establish this this team? You know, I, I just... I really wanted to see more stuff with these guys because now that we've, you know, kind of solved this problem that establishes the linear verse, I sure would like to see these guys in kind of an ongoing role. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was a missed opportunity, and maybe they'll maybe they'll realize the same thing and come back to it. But I always hate those "let's get the band back together" books. I'd rather we just had the band together. Yeah, yeah. and nothing frustrates me more than nobody remembers the book ever happened, so uh-huh. it doesn't really affect anything. Yeah, and I'm very curious if they're going to revisit this linear verse concept at some point. Well, you know, given what we saw in press this week, I think linear verse is now a big deal for them. Yeah, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And maybe, maybe it will over time. Um, yeah, it just does. You know, it, it was. It's explained in one panel of the book, yeah. and that's it. And then they're just like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> you know, the beginning. And I'm like, uh, but I still don't get it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not dumb. I'm I am not a dumb person, despite oh, what many I people got... say about me. Yeah, but Paul, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, we, we don't mean to talk to you about your yeah. your intelligence. Right. Yeah. About your overwhelming stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Come on. overwhelming seems like overkill, Aaron. Come on. I, I, it just seems harsh. Some days <laughs> it can be overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. He's just a whelming. I'm a whelming. I'm a whelming. Your whelming stupidity. stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's well, the smartest guy I know who lives in Virginia. Right? The only He's guy. also the only guy I know who lives in Virginia. <laughs> It's like when I tell my son that he's my favorite son. <laughs> so, you know, we we are going to talk. Um, we have an advanced review copy uh, from Image Comics of the new Scott Snyder, Tony Daniel, Noctera issue one. Um, as of the time we're talking about it, uh, it comes out the following week. I think it comes out Wednesday, March 3rd. Yeah, this this coming Wednesday. Yeah, so we wanted to, you know, Image was was kind enough to send us an advanced copy, just like they did of um, the, the last Radiant Black, Radiant Black, uh, and so you know, I was, I think, 
you know, I, I was cautiously optimistic. Scott Snyder, you know, I, I, I like some of his stuff. I have also really not liked some of his stuff. Um, so I went into this one cautious. But I think we all all gave it a read. And so what did you guys think of Noctera issue one? Loved it. Loved yeah, this book. I, I would agree with Aaron. I, I loved it. And, you know, we'll keep it spoiler free, but... Um... You know, it, it kind of details this new world where the sun goes away, and uh, and then you kind of jump, you follow the the the, the adventures of these siblings, Valerie and Emery. From you kind of see a flashback to when the sun disappeared from the sky, or at least light stopped reaching the earth, and then into what the world has become thirteen years later, and what they've become, and uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it because it was a very different kind of story. Yeah, yeah and I got lots of questions. You know, yeah. that's the, that one of the nice things about it is I wasn't irritated by the fact that I had these questions. It wasn't a failure in storytelling. It was, oh, my God, I can't wait to read on to find out mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, and I like how many char- stories do you have where the main character is a truck driver? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I dug it. I liked the world that it created. Um, I love that it didn't spoon feed anything to you. Um, you, you know, you you when I'm first reading the book, I'm like, what the hell? Uh I think it's beautifully drawn. I think the visual storytelling is on point, and I, I I like the big ideas that this is painting. I I I think this is a great first issue. I'm eager for issue number two. Yeah, and that'll be a key thing. We'll we'll issue you know uh, sometimes you read issue number one that's that's dynamite, and then issue number two less so, kind of lets you down uh-huh. a little. But right, right. so I'll be I, I feel like with Scott Snyder uh, and the Tony Daniels art, which I love, I, I feel like they can definitely sustain it. But uh, I'll be very uh, I'll definitely get issue number two and read it to see what happens because they. Uh, you know, I don't think it spoils anything. Issue issue one uh, kind of ends on a big uh, reveal, and you're like, yeah. Whoa, I need to know yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's that's good what even more. And and do you think you know they call this the this event where the sun disappears? They call it the Big PM, which is a little close to another initials that it bugs me. But uh, do you think premenstrual? Refer- no, uh, <laughs> BM. Um, <laughs> in the career I work in, that's much more likely to be seen than PM. But um, okay. yeah, so no, do you think that just stands for post meridian? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like wondering, trying to figure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's kind of going for is big night. Yeah, I mean, and post meridium just means after midday, so it doesn't right. really mean night. But I, that's the only thing I could really come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what I got from it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the character designs most of all. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's a visual component to this book that lends itself to wow, this would be a really cool visual TV uh-huh. series or movie. Yep. You know, with the you know because everyone. Just briefly, this is within the first few pages of the book, so it'll be spoiled when you when you read the preview pages on Comixology. Um, you know, because of this this night, this big PM. Um, in order to stay safe, you have to have a light on you at all times, and so people are you know wearing ultraviolet clothing with battery operated lights on them and things like that. And I was like, wow, that would be really cool <laughs> on like a movie screen or a television screen. You have to see some of those designs. Um, yeah, it, big big ideas, uh, and I, I'm I'm definitely in for the second issue. What well, and they establish a great kind of rapport between the the siblings and their adoptive Absolutely. siblings. They're yeah. not biological, mm-hmm. um, but between Valerie and Emery, and because she's a truck driver. Even though Emery's not there, they're talking on the futuristic CB, whatever they're using for it. Brick uh, one nine, This is the <laughs> ruptured rabbit, and I'm looking for a break. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, 
it's it's you know a great kind of relationship and it it works pretty well for the book and i'm i'm curious to see where it goes as we move forward so go out and buy it's what i'm saying buy it buy it next week hey paul yes sir what's coming out next week well, in addition to Noctera number one, next week is a week of first issues. Um, DC's Infinite Frontier kicks off with Infinite Frontier issue zero, um, you know, featuring previews of all their upcoming books with from writers like Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis, Philip K. Johnson, Scott Snyder, James Tinian the Fourth, you know, and, and all the artists that will be joining them on their their main books. Um, you know, in addition, some of the Infinite Frontier books will be kicking off including Suicide Squad, the Crime Syndicate book, um, and the the Batman, which is not restarting with issue one. It's, it's continuing with issue 106, um, which I normally wouldn't pick up, except it features a backup story from the new Robin creative team, Joshua Williamson and Gleb Melnikoff, uh, featuring you know, the, the, the kind of the start of the new Damian Wayne series. So I may be picking up issue Batman, Batman issue 106. Because I'm really excited about that Robin book. And uh, finally, from Boom Studios, Matt Kent and Keanu Reeves, uh, the, the book they announced months ago is finally coming out, Berserker, featuring art by Ron Garney. That artwork's pretty hot. Yeah, I love Ron Garney. I've looked uh, I've looked at a lot of the uh, Berserker preview pages, and man, it's it's pretty striking. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board for Berserker issue one. I think I am too. I think I am too. It looks it looks pretty good. It's Keanu. I mean, I was watching John Wick issue three or <laughs> issue three, part three yesterday. It, it, I'm, I'm in uh-huh. a Keanu mood. Uh-huh. Are you on a Keanu mood? Keanu. <laughs> Keanu. <laughs> well, hey, we want to know what you think of this week's books. What did you think about Superman and Lois? What are your thoughts about WandaVision? Give us a call. 972-763-5903. That number, once again. Nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. If we use your voicemail on the air, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, guys, next week, the WandaVision finale. So excited. Dun dun dun. Bro, bro, next week, bro. Bro. Bro, bro. <laughs> Bye. 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 Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.